أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم uh, Session number 17 Inshallah today I just want to go through uh, the veils of light a little bit talk about that um, we have spent, I think, uh, two sessions on veil, uh, knowledge being a veil of darkness. And of course, there's other, there are other veils of darkness that I might speak about in our last session in this regard, which is next session, inshallah. But today I want to go into Hujub al-Nur a little bit, the veils of light or the veil of light. Now, we looked at knowledge as a veil of darkness, um, but it can also be a veil of light. So just to refresh things a little bit, I mentioned a little while back the criteria for a veil to be a veil of darkness versus a veil of light. Um, my understanding was that for it to be a veil of darkness, if it's pointing you to God, if it's reflecting God to you, it's a veil of light. And if it is something that's reflecting you to yourself and reflecting the dunya, then it's a veil of darkness no matter how lofty, how spiritual that concept is going to be. And that was my understanding. And then I came across this uh, excerpt from Imam Khomeini, uh, which is very similar to what my understanding was, alhamdulillah. Um, he says that any attention one gives to other than Allah, anything that takes some one's attention to other than Allah is going to be either a veil of darkness or a veil of light. And then he says, all of these dunyavi matters, all the things of the dunya, these are going to be hijab of uh, dhulma and darkness. Dunya, you see that's the key word here, dunya. So it's not pushing you up, it's keeping you down on the dunya. So that is going to be a veil of darkness because it has to do with dunya. Material realm, same thing, darkness he says. But then he says, if the dunya is going to be a means of attention towards God, towards Akhirah, the same hijab and veil of darkness is going to trans transform into a veil of light. So for him, it all depends on in what direction you're being pushed. If you're being pushed upwards, it's a veil, but it's a veil of light. And uh, we'll get to why we call it a veil. It's a medium. It's a it's an in-between thing. Something between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if it's pushing you down or keeping you down, then it is a hijab of darkness. And then to be more precise, uh, others have said that uh, the hijab nurani, veil of light, is one of those irfani terms that's uh, pretty kind of mysterious and symbolic in a way. So they explain, it says that any veil of light is that which is that stage of spiritual growth in which a person stays in and doesn't go higher. That stage is a high level, it's a high stage of spiritual growth and closeness to Allah. But if it is going to be a barrier, if it's going to be something that's going to keep you there and you're going to stay there, you're going to be happy being there, then this is going to be a hijab for you still. Now it's light, but it's a hijab for you. Anything that is going to stop you from going higher, it itself is high, but it's not letting you go higher. 
It says it's going to be hijab of light. So he says these different stages of irfan and mysticism and spirituality and growth and all of that, they are going to be positive things at the end of the day, but, at the, but they're still going to be negative in a sense as well if they are going to not allow you to go higher. You can't get stuck in them, in other words. And then he gives an example. He says, for example, all of these divine qualities of God for normal people are going to be an example of good akhlaq. So Allah is generous, Allah is this, Allah is that. If we're going to be like that too, then that's great. As a normal person, um, it's, it's, it's really good. It's akhlaq hamida, praiseworthy traits that a person can have. But these same, uh, these same traits can be hijabs for the special ones if they are going to give independent attention and undivided attention to those qualities. Yeah? Generosity is great. For a normal person, it's great. For a person like me, it's great. To be a manifestation of Allah's qualities is great. But at the same time, if I'm going to focus in on this too much, zoom in on this too much such that it makes me negligent of other things, oblivious to other things, and to higher things, then yeah, this is going to be hijab, but they call it a hijab of nur. Because it's not something that is pushing you to dunya, or shackling you to the dunya, no. But still, it is a barrier. And so this, this individual, he says that, uh, he wraps up like this, he says that, you know, anger, lust, love of possession and positions, all of these are are going to be examples of hijab dhulmani but then paying attention too much to salat worship to hajj to dhikr these can be examples for veils of light that doesn't make them a bad thing i don't want anyone listening to this or, or hearing this right now to think that that makes if something's a veil of light that it's a bad thing no no, no veils are light are good things right they are good they're not bad the veils of darkness are bad Veils of light are good, but one has to understand veils of light are not God Himself. They are a means to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't get stuck in the means of things. You use them. You use them as a bridge to go up higher. So if you get stuck in them, then there's going to be a problem. So these are the veils of light. Okay. As a definition, we, we, like kind of like a definition we had. Because of the importance of this, uh, veil of light concept uh, today I'm going to be quoting Imam Khomeini a lot in different books of his it's crazy how much he's spoken about this actually he says Imam Khomeini because of the significance of this matter he says oh Allah what are these veils of light that we find recurring in the sayings of the Imams of the Ma'sumin what is this source of greatness and magnificence and pureness of Allah, sanctity, perfection? What is it that they're after? What is it that is their destination? We can't even understand it from an intellectual perspective, from a theoretical perspective. If we want to break it down theoretically, we can't even break it down, let alone if we want to experience such a thing. And then he goes on, he says, Oh Allah, we are dark, low, bad servants of yours. And all we understand is to eat and sleep and to have anger and shahwa. We have no idea of anything else out there. It's interesting. It says, we have no other idea. Imam Khomeini is saying this. 
He says, that's all we understand out there. There is, we don't understand anything else out there. And we're not even thinking of figuring out what else is out there. Sometimes you know something's out there. Sometimes you don't even know something's out there. He says, we don't even know. We're not even trying to figure out what's out there other than these three or four things that he mentioned. So you take our hand. You take our hand and wake us up from this slumber that we're in. All right, so if I was to, based on you know what we went through so far, to give you just a definition or some examples of what ver a verse uh, a veil of light looks like, what it's all about. Uh, when we have, and we're talking about knowledge, of course, knowledge is one of those veils of light. It can be one of those veils of light. When we have knowledge, it's a reflection of that thing that we have knowledge of. Okay, when you have knowledge of something, when I have knowledge of, um, I don't know, an uh, an apple. What does that mean? That means that the picture of that is in my mind, right? An image of it is in my mind. A concept of it is in my mind. Is the apple in my mind itself? No, right? All right. So my connection with that apple outside. What is it? Is the image the concept of that in my mind, correct? All right, so when we have knowledge, it's a reflection of that thing within us. It is our connection to that thing, right? It's the medium, it's that intermediary. And three, the knowledge of this itself, which is the image of this in my mind. The book is not in my mind, correct? Three things here we have. These orafa, what do they want to do? They want to cut the in-between man. Cut him out. They, they say, we don't want three. We want two. Now, if you really want to sound cool, you say, I just want one thing. I, I don't even want to as if exists. But that's like beyond something I can even speak about. I don't want to speak about that. They say we want to cut it down to two. Why? Because although the image, the concept of the apple, of the book, is what is connecting me to this reality that is not part of me, Although it is connecting me to it, at the end of the day, it is something in between me and it. You understand? And so it's going to be a veil. A veil of light. That's what they say. When they, when they say it's a veil of light, that's what they mean by it. So it's much better than a veil of darkness. You know what it's like? It's like, it's like looking, uh, I would say, looking at the mirror versus looking into a mirror. When you look um, at a mirror, what do you see? You won't see yourself anymore. What you see is the streak marks on it. Yeah, you'll see that it's rusty. You'll see that it's dirty. Because you're looking at the mirror as a mirror, as an object, right? Sometimes you look into the mirror. You don't see these things anymore. What do you see? You see yourself and a reflection of yourself. A hijab can either be darkness or light in this sense. Okay, Knowledge can be darkness or light, just like this mirror. Sometimes you see the mirror itself. Sometimes you see... The reflection in the mirror but even when you look at the mirror or into the mirror and you see a reflection of yourself or a reflection of whatever it is that's reflecting in the mirror at the end of the day there is a frame there and you are confining a reflection of reality within that frame with all the dirt that's on it it's like glasses those of you who wear glasses not contacts you know what I'm talking about right um, when your glasses are dirty, at the end of the day, you are seeing things with those spots. Now, if you take your glasses off, 
and you look in the in the light, you'll see it's like really dirty. You put it on, kind of gets blurred out, but it's still there. You don't see it the way it really is, the reality. This is what is meant by, this is my understanding, of a veil of light. These, the knowledge we have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is all hearing, Allah is all knowing. Well, that goes through a filter at the end of the day. Of what? Of my understanding of all hearing, all knowing, all powerful, all existent and all of that. And this will rub off on the reality itself in my mind, within my existence. My understanding of Allah will be confined to what I understand of Samir, what I understand of Basir, what I understand of this, what I understand of that. So in reality, we are really with things that Allah Himself has taught us even. We are really uh, underseeing Him in a very limited light, a very faint light. And so no matter how much you speak about Allah, you know, no, matter how, how, no matter how much you speak of love of Allah, you're speaking of the concept of love of Allah. You're not speaking of love of Allah. You're not speaking of Allah Himself. Yeah? And so it'll be tainted that just that much, you know? Um, there's this uh, saying in Farsi that goes like this. It says, Ba halwa halwa guftan dahan shirin nemi shabad. Halwa, and you know, it's that uh, it's a sweet, right? So uh, let's use the word honey instead. No matter how many times you say honey, okay, is it gonna, is your mouth gonna get sweet? As a matter of fact, the more you say it, the drier your mouth gets, the worse it gets, right? <laughs> so saying honey a thousand times is not gonna sweeten your mouth, right? It has no effect on your taste buds. This is what this is what this is what we're stuck in, brothers and sisters, when it comes to the veils of light. We think we got it, and we have gotten it to an extent, but we haven't got it. Gotten it. Yes, the word honey is good, better than nothing, better than saying, I don't know, something bitter, whatever we have for that. Better than that, but all in all, thank you. all in all, all in all, uh, it's not going to be the actual thing that we're after, right? Test it. Try it out in Ramadan. Yeah, when you're hungry, speak of all the good stuff out there. Go on Instagram. Look at all the good foods out there. Is that gonna help? It's not gonna help. So these are reflecting something that you really are after, but they're not doing the job. As a matter of fact, uh, they might not get across the the actual reality of that thing that you are thinking of. Yeah. So th those are the uh, restrictions of these veils of light. Okay, now having said all of that, I want to, there are like three or four quotes from Imam Khomeini here because I mean, veils of light are things that I'm not struggling with, right? I'm still struggling with veils of darkness. So I would like to see what Imam Khomeini says about these things. And as I said, he, I've heard him say the most about all this matter and this concept of veils of light um, more than others, at, at least to the extent that I've looked into this. And so that's why I'll be quoting him. So he says, he says, and one should know, and this is in his book of Adab al-Salat, that one should know that um, just a mere uh, what's it called? Argu argument, argumentative, let's call it, uh, knowledge, you know, knowledge that comes, um, you know, in the form of premises and a conclusion that you draw, like argumentative, or some call it... Um, demonstrative knowledge, Burhan, 
He says, look, mere burhani knowledge and taking steps that are only that only have to do with tafakkur and thought and theory, right? Taking steps like that when it comes to tawheed, right? Practical tawheed, tawheed fi'li, he says, matlub It does not have the effect and the result that you are after. So, in other words, these philosophers, these hukama and urafa, irfan nadari urafa. Right, those who are into theoretical irfan, he says, just the mere fact that they're in that they've studied these matters does not necessarily mean that they will yield the result that they're after. As a matter of fact, he says, sometimes these this knowledge is going to get in the way of a person reaching that ultimate destination because you're you know you're stuck in this level, you're not looking up more, and it becomes a veil of light for you. And that's why he says that they have said Al-ilm huwa al-hijab al-akbar That knowledge is the greatest veil You know, you, when you're younger you hear this You're like, what are they talking about? This is what is meant He said, look If you are going to get too focused on Your understanding of Allah This concept, that concept Even that can be a problem Of course, for once again People who are way up there He says, in my opinion all sciences are practical ones, even the science of Tawheed. What do you mean? Because Tawheed, we talk about the oneness of God, we talk about God being in charge of everything and so on. What do you mean practical? How is this practical? And so he explains, I don't want to get into some of the details here, he goes into Arabic morphology a little bit and he says Tawheed is from the Bab of Taf'il, which means that you're actively doing something here. And when it comes to Tawheed, what you're actively doing is that you are moving from multiplicity to oneness and unity. And while there is multiplicity out there, this multiplicity is going to be dissolved and annihilated in the oneness of God. And he says, this is something that you will never achieve and attain through argumentation, through burhan, through... Um, the other word that I used, I forgot what it was. Demonstration. Yeah, that's the word they use, demonstration, burhan. He says, this is not going to be achieved through that, no matter how much you argue. What does it mean? And if you look, I mean, philosophers, usually they have this problem. They want to prove wahdatul wujud, or Arafa want to speak about wahdatul wujud, but then they're like, we see all of this multiplicity around us, all of these different existence around us. Is it multiplicity or is it unity and oneness? Which one is it? It's going to get hard to prove, right? He says, look, with Burhan, you're not going to get anywhere. As Rather, it, this is achieved through Riyadat Qalbiyyah. Training the heart and giving attention. Now here he says instinctive attention. I don't know what he means by that. To Malikul Qulub, to the possessor of all hearts. To, to attach the heart to the possessor of all hearts. That's how you do it. Something actually has to happen actively on your part for a connection to be made. In other words, you have to try to get rid of uh, these media and these mediums. That's not a right, that's not a correct word, but anyway, mediums. The plural is media, right? For medium. He says, look, you do have to tell the heart that look, this is what argumentation is giving me. It is letting me know that yes, there must be some unity out there versus multiplicity. Do that much. And so that you can understand when we say, La mu'athira fil wujud illallah, that there is no 
nothing affecting existence except Allah and that this is one of the meanings of La ilaha illallah and then he starts listing all different verses of the Quran he says, yeah, tell the heart through argumentation through burhan and demonstration tell the heart that these things exist tell the heart that Allah is in charge of everything all of these things, tell your heart all of this but look, if it doesn't reach the heart and doesn't become the essence of the heart, we have not overstepped the boundary of knowledge and entered the realm of faith and Iman. We haven't. They, we are still in concepts. And the nur and light of Iman has not shown in our um, uh, inside of us. Yeah. So, are, Imam Khomeini, are you saying that knowledge is bad? First of all, he said, no, you have to tell the heart through this knowledge of what God is all about. But understand that even if you're living on a mountain and you're not showing off with this knowledge for it to become a veil of darkness, even if you're living on your own isolated somewhere, which of course he's not encouraging that, but just, you know, for argument's sake, if you are, it's just you and these concepts, still it's not going to be enough for it to shine in the heart. It takes more than that. It takes more than that. And then he's, he, he, he uh, recites this, or he cites this line of poetry. It's very famous. Um, Mawlavi says this, that uh, this is very famous. Paye istidlaliyan chubin bovat. Paye chubin sakht bi tamkin bovat. Which means, look, the leg of those who um, uh, employ argumentation and arguments their legs are made of wood they are wooden if your if your legs are made of wood if your feet are made of wood how easy or how hard is it to walk on you know hard ground you have to have legs of flesh he's trying to say right a person who wants to walk needs a means to walk those are legs you can either choose wooden legs you can choose real legs he says, look, the ones who want to make it to the destination with, the, with legs, with their legs, if, if they're using arguments to get to Allah, that, yeah, that, that is a way to get to Allah maybe, but it's very hard because it's like walking with wooden legs. If your legs are made out of wood, how hard is it going to be? You know, these pirates, they have like that, leg, uh, that wooden leg, you know, how hard it is to walk with it, that kind of thing, yeah. Why? Because when he says, a leg that is made out of wood does not give in to what you want exactly from it. It doesn't, it's not malleable, it's not workable. You can't really walk with those kinds of legs. Right? So he's likening burhan, knowledge, he's likening it to wooden legs versus the one who actually reaches something. Right? They are going to make it to the destination because it's much easier. Another thing that Imam Khomeini says, somewhere else in another book, actually, where is this one? This is in uh, a book of philosophy from him. He's talking about the wajibul wujud, the necessary existence, okay? And I promise, today is the last day that we're going to talk like all lofty and stuff. We'll, go, we'll come back down to earth, inshallah, uh, after this uh, session. After he is, you know, bringing arguments, philosophical arguments to prove the wajibul wujud, the necessary being, God. He says, so with this argument, the wajibul wujud has been established, his existence is proven. So he, he does that philosophically, 
But then he like opens up a parenthesis. He says, but let me say this on the side. Good for those who have freed themselves of argumentation. <laughs> and have freed themselves of the burden of proofs. And bringing burhans and demonstrating things. And, and instead what they have done is, they have seen the maqsud, the destination or the final goal. They've seen it with their own eyes. Of course, the eye of the heart, he means. Why? Because dalil, reason, rationale itself is a veil, he says. And as long as there is a veil, there is distance. And as long as there is distance, there is no vasla and connection. Very simply, like Imam Khomeini, you did all of that philosophy and then you prove the wajib al-wujud and then all of a sudden you come and just kick it all down with these two or three simple lines. He says, look, if you aren't seeing it yourself, then there's a veil. And if there's a veil, there's distance. And if there's distance, there's no connection. And then he, he gives an example. He says, it's like a person who sits in a dark room Right? An astronomer who sits in a dark room and has his books with him and calculates things and comes up with this conclusion that it's daytime right now outside. Versus the person who's standing outside and is looking out at the day. Well, first of all, this person who's seeing it is different than the person who calculated things, number one. Number two, the one who's seeing the light is also benefiting from the light. Versus the one who's sitting in a dark room who calculates that it's day right now and comes to that conclusion, but is not able to even benefit from the light anyway. So what's the point of it? And he's happy. He's happy that, you know, I reached this conclusion of, you know, that it's day out there. Well, good for you, but you're not benefiting from it at all. And then you know what he says here? This is also cool. He says, from this, what we can also draw from this is that those people you see outside in the streets and alleys and the marketplace, don't necessarily look down on them as lay people just because they don't know certain things, certain concepts and so on. Don't look down on them. You can't necessarily label them as awam, lay people. Even if they don't know all these fancy words and these istidlalat and baraheen and all that kind of stuff. If the nur and light of tawheed has shined in their hearts, then they might be higher than all of these hukama and falasifa and philosophers and mystics and all of that. They might be higher than them. But then he does say this and then. He says, but usually that's not going to be the case. Usually the people that are walking in the street, the marketplace, usually you won't find it there. But yeah, you can't, you can't just dismiss all of them as, you know. I want to share a story with you that we would hear a lot. I've never, I don't know where I read it before, but I do remember hearing it. That one of these Hausa students back in the day, after one of these classes where, you know, all these fancy words are used in, right? He comes out of that, and usually you're a little ecstatic when you come out of these classes, right? You feel good about yourself. So he comes out, and he thinks to himself for a split second, I guess, like, one of these uh, awliyaullah, I won't mention his name, of the Prophet's time or the Imam's times, Imam Hussein's time. Like, did he know these things that we just learned about, right? <laughs> I'll say the name, Hazrat Abbas. He thought to himself that like the stuff we just studied, like this is some crazy deep stuff. Like is this stuff that even like Hazrat Abbas would know? 
Why does he even... Assuming Hazrat Abbas doesn't know this stuff. Whatever. Why, why would Hazrat Abbas even care about these things when he is there in Liqa'ullah? Right? You're reading the books because you don't have what it, what it, you don't have what the books are talking about. That's why you have no choice to read the books. Right? Or else when you're there, it's like saying, I read a whole book about how beautiful Layla or Layli, whatever, you, whatever they call her, is. While Majnun is saying, I'm in the presence of Layli. What are you talking about? Right? You read all the books in the world about Layla. I'm with Layla. Right? So, you're wasting your time thinking like, this guy, he says to himself, that like, did Hazrat Abbas like know these things? Now, guess what happened? <laughs> he went to the restroom. Now, back then, like a hundred years ago, they would use these planks on these, those toilets and he slips and he falls in there. He falls in the, you know, stuff. And so, like in other words, like wake up, you know. All this good stuff that you learn, you're still stuck in the mud of the dunya, man. What are you talking about? Like this is not going to add anything to you. Look at you all stinky now. Now, I personally feel that they love him, that this happened to him. Allah loved him. Like wake up. At the end of the day, these are veils at best, veils of light. And that's why people, the likes of Imam Khomeini, they're like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to get stuck in this kind of stuff. Even if it's going to be a veil of light. Look at this one. This is in his uh, 40 Hadith book. Towards the end of it. He says that, pay attention. Pay attention that a proper understanding of the essence of the qualities of the Haqq, which is Allah, and to have a good grasp of them. This is something that Burhan just cannot get you to. Argumentation, knowledge, these things cannot get you to. And he uses like a very harsh language here that like it's just nowhere close. It's like the hands of, of knowledge are cut and they just can't get to, cannot hold on to um, the understanding of, of the proper understanding of the essence of the qualities of haq you can't and all of these words and terminologies and knowledge that the urafa have spoken of of the asmaullah sifat of allah all of these are true they are true they are in accordance with with uh, knowledge and all of that but they themselves are in hijab once again so you see in different books of his he keeps repeating this they are a hijab that is ghaliv, that is very thick actually. Until you don't tear those even by proper taqwa, in, 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 with the help of taqwa, and some very strong and harsh training of the self, and total disconnection to Allah, and truthful munajat with Allah, then the, the rays of jamal and jalal, beauty and... Um, What's the word they use for Jalal? Magnificence or whatever they use. These, the rays of Jamal and Jalal will not shine in the heart of the individual. But these people, you know what they do say though? They say that you have to first cover, you first have to cover the heart with that veil and then tear it. Or else you won't get anywhere at all. So, you know, we've already talked about this last week and also today I mentioned it in passing. And they say, look, you have to remind the heart through burhan, through knowledge of what Allah is all about. But don't get stuck there. And all of this 
I would say, at, at least with Imam Khomeini, it comes from that excerpt of Munajat Sha'baniyah. That famous line. And Imam Khomeini, once again, he would mention this a lot in his lectures. Ilahi habli kamal al ilayk. My Lord, grant me absolute devotion to you. Illuminate the eyes of our hearts with the light of their looking at you. Until the sights of the hearts penetrate the veils of light and arrive at the source of magnificence. So these veils are to be torn and penetrated to, so that one reaches the source of magnificence, ma'din al-azama. And our souls are suspended by the glory of your sanctity, mu'allagatan bi'izzi qudsik. So this is what it's all about for the likes of him. He, this is where he gets it from. And so like, look at how he kind of talks about this part of Munajat Sha'abaniya, Imam Khomeini. He, he's, he's, he's complaining in one of his books. Let me see which one was it. Once again, Adab al-Salah, another place. He's complaining about those people out there who kind of might, might even laugh at the idea of certain ranks and stations of proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who will dismiss these ranks? What the Urafa speak about, right? And you know, not care about them or act as if they don't even exist. Those ranks, right? He says these types of people. Excuse me. These types of people. What do they do? What they do is when they come across these kinds of words, like what we just had. Okay. Tearing light, uh, veils of light, and so on. The source of magnificence, suspended by the glory of your sanctity. Things like that. He says, when they come across these kinds of ideas in our, the Qur'an or in our hadiths, what do they say? For example, verses that speak of liqa'ullah, hubbullah, love of Allah, they will interpret it as not meeting Allah, but meeting and benefiting from heavenly trees, heavenly maidens, things like that. He says, when you say, ilahi habli kamal al-inqita' ilayk, total devotion to you, detachment to you, what will, they, what will they say? They will interpret it like this. They will say that Hujub uh, al-Nur is, <laughs> he uses a, the word gulabi. Gulabi in Farsi means pear, peaches, pears. <laughs> he says, they'll say, yeah, these are the pears of paradise that, you know, the, that this uh, Munajat is speaking about. When it says the Hujub uh, al-Nur, <laughs> that's what their interpretation is going to be. He's like taking a shot at them here. When it says the source of magnificence, they'll interpret it as uh, heavenly uh, castles and heavenly uh, homes. When it speaks of being suspended and being attached to the glory of Allah and the, the, the sanctity of Allah, he says it means being attached to uh, the huris of Jannah. He says that's how they'll interpret it, interpret these things. And so he is... Uh, He's, he's complaining about these individuals who interpret things like this and fall short and sell themselves short of what's actually out there. He says, is this what the Holy Prophet was after? When he would have those jazabat, those 
special uh, states that he would go into in Salatul in the Salat of Mi'raj, for example. Is this what the Prophet was experiencing? When he reached certain points where A'adhamul Malaika, Jibra'il was not allowed to go. Is this what it was all about? Are we talking about the light of the, the sun, the moon, things things like that? Is it when the when the Quran, when the Imams, when they say that on the day of judgment, only the ones that come to Allah with Qalbun Salim are going to be safe from everything. And then the Imams explain that a Qalb Salim is that which is empty of everything except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is this what they're talking about? They're talking about the, 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 the peaches and apricots of uh, Jannah? Is that what they're talking about? <laughs> so it's kind of laughable um, in the books and in the perspective of the likes of uh, Imam Khomeini. He says, look, there's a lot more out there. Alright, so to wrap it all up and to summarize, we were, we were talking about Tawbah. And Tawbah in the books of the Arafa means to remove any obstacle between uh, the person and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, for a person like me, Tawbah will be to do istighfar from sins. But there was much more than that. There were other things that some would do Tawbah from. Even the Prophet says, I do istighfar 70 times a day. The question was, these awliyaullah, this Rasulullah, this al-insanul kamil, what do they do istighfar from? Is there anything more out there or should I just, you know, just stay fixated on just the sins, the normal sins that are out there? No, there's a lot more out there as well. Some people will do istighfar after their salat. Why? Because th throughout their salat they were paying attention to other than Allah in some parts at least. Right? That for them is a sin. That for them is an obstacle. Some throughout the day, if they're not careful, then they rely on other than Allah for certain things. They want us to do istighfar from that. These are veils of darkness because they are keeping your focus on the dunya. Then there are some who will do istighfar because of veils of light even. Those are awliyaullah. Now some people, their hearts will be covered with the veils of light. Some people like al-insanul kamil according to Ayatollah Jawadi and others, their heart is not covered and affected by veils of light. Their istighfar is to make sure that those veils of light stay away from them and they're not distracted by veils of light. Although these are good things, they're not bad things. All of this that we talked about was regarding knowledge only. Okay? It was regarding knowledge only, what we've covered so far. But I just gave a few examples of other things too. Now, next session we're just going to wrap everything up come, uh, and draw some conclusions from everything we had. And covered maybe list a few more things that we have of veils of darkness things to be careful about and then we will move on inshallah to other parts of our book walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen